Ramona helped me out. Here's what I did. And I don't know, is it me or is it them? This is a question that I hear so often. So let's peel the onion on this one in this week's episode of the Manager Track podcast. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Manage to Track podcast. We're going to talk about this question that may have popped in your head once in a while or way more than that. And the question is, is it me or is it them? This comes up when we think about accountability, performance management, giving feedback, and all of that good stuff. On your job description as a leader, it is part of your responsibility to manage people's performance, which is very new and was not on your job description as an IC, an individual contributor. But now that it is, as a manager, as a leader to a team, it can feel really uncomfortable and it can seem confusing to figure out What's the problem? Am I the problem or is the other person the problem? Especially when you had a couple of underperformers or a couple of situations that seem to repeat themselves either within that same role or from one company to the next or one shop to the next. And you start thinking, wait a second, I'm the common denominator here. Is it me or is it them? So let's talk about performance management for a moment, which By the way, if you're leading a team and you are invested in becoming a great leader, managing people's performance and dealing with an underperformer is inevitable. If you haven't had the experience so far, it will most certainly happen sometime in your future. It is like dating. When you date, not everyone is going to be marriage potential. You're going to date and then you're going to like, no, that's not a good fit. Nope, we don't jive. Nope, not the right match. And this happens on both sides you as the leader, but also the employee who signs the employment contract could then say like, no, actually not what I want. I am going to leave or I'm going to disengage more of a passive form of exiting, but also a form of leaving or dishonoring the contract. So the way this can show up is, for example, through poor quality work, missing deadlines, but doing good work. That's one way. Being absent, it could be that they're doing great work, they deliver on time, but then they're just not putting in the hours that you're expecting them to. They could have poor communication, which could be just confusing emails or typos and grammatical errors that's beyond what's acceptable. It could also be a negative attitude. They might have great skills and they deliver, but their attitude is a real problem, not just for you, but for the entire team. It could also be that you think this is a pretty good, decently performing team member, but then you start hearing complaints from either clients, vendors, 
or other leaders in the organization who do not like working with them or feel like this person is hindering progress or is getting in the way or is making things more difficult than they need to be and so forth. All of these different examples are ways that a performance issue could come up. As a personal example, I was in a role where I had to proofread other people's writings. So they would have to write up and and talk about and explain something. And then I would have to proofread and make sure that what they're writing, what they're saying is factually correct, but also it's written in a way that's easy for our audience, our readership to grasp the main message. And of course, it's grammatically correct as well. Now, the challenge I had in this situation was that There are the factual things that you can check and that they're either right or wrong. And then there's also grammar that can be right or wrong. But then there's this huge gray zone in between. You can write a sentence in many different ways and the message is correct, the facts are correct, and even grammar is correct. One could be straight to the point, easy to read, and another one could seem to be more complicated and needs to be and difficult or even confusing for the reader. So that was gray zone. And I had to figure out, when I'm reviewing people's work, when is it that my standards are just too high and what I'm looking for, not even too high, it's just my unique standards or when is it just my way of writing and my preference and when is it actually a performance issue? And so that's the gray zone. And when we deal with performance issue and that question comes up of is it me or is it them? We're often dealing with a situation where there is a bit of a gray zone. It's our standards that we set, which may be because of our personal preferences. There could be other ways. There could be other managers who would have a different tolerance level or even different preferences. And they may not think that this is an issue. So this is a little bit tricky. And I want to unpack this with you. Because although it is tricky, it is not complicated. Because in the vast majority of cases, and if I had to put a percentage on this, I would probably say... In about 90% of cases, the answer to the question, is it me or is it them? It is both you and it is them. Now, because we can change ourselves way faster and way easier, and it is our number one job is to look for ways that we co-created a situation or that we can take responsibility and all that is leadership. And only second to that is to work with the other person to help them make the necessary changes. So let's start with ourselves. Here are three specific aspects that you need to consider. And I suggest you go through them step by step to see where is it that you have co-created this situation and you can make some changes in order to create a better environment and set up in the future. So no blaming, no judgment, no self-loading. This is all just about learning and getting better based on past mistakes. So the first area is your expectations. And this is really important because when it comes to accountability, accountability does not start with giving feedback and holding people accountable. That's almost the last step in the process. Accountability starts with setting expectations. That's where it begins. And if you do not set expectations or clear expectations, you'll quickly notice how hard it is to hold people accountable how easy it is to have different perspectives, different interpretations, or you just got nothing to go off other than your opinions. And performance management should not be about opinions, but about facts and discrepancies between agreements and actualities. So expectations need to be clear on the deliverables. In my case, when it came to the grammatical part or the writing part, 
I need to be really clear of what am I really expecting. Yes, it needs to be grammatically correct and it cannot include long winded sentences or filler words and the like. I could have been way more clear on my expectations up front versus then after the fact when I was reviewing texts, starting to try to course correct the way things are written if I never specified what a good text in my opinion would look like, right? So in that personal example that I'm sharing, I failed in setting the expectation. And if I don't set the expectation and do so transparently and openly and clearly, I don't have any right to be frustrated or upset about it at the end of it. I never made that clear, right? So that's how I co-created the situation back then. The second part that we need to be clear on and that we're often forgetting about, which is the behavioral aspect. So what are the behaviors that we're expecting? And in my experience, working, coaching and training hundreds of new and mid-level managers, the behaviors are the more challenging one because for many, it's a lot more uncomfortable to correct someone on their behavior especially if they're adults and especially if they're older than us and we think I shouldn't have to tell this person to be on time I shouldn't have to tell this person that a deadline is a deadline or I shouldn't have to tell this person that it's not okay to complain about the boss's boss in front of the entire team I shouldn't have to tell an adult that that's not okay well while that might be a nice reality it is not our reality. Yes, we do have to specify certain things. So we want to set some basic expectations with our team early on. And that could actually be in the form of what's often referred to as a social contract or setting in place the behavioral norms where you as a team define how are we going to show up and what behaviors will allow us to be a high performing team. I like doing this as a group exercise. So it's not just you as the leader dictating, but it's the whole group coming up with these behavioral norms. But in certain situations that might not work. So you could say, hey, listen, for us to work well and for us to be executing our responsibilities, here are a few of the basic standards and behaviors that we all need to commit to. This includes that we show up on time. If we can't, you have a deputy or um, if we email each other we expect a response within 24 hours if you message me on slack or you send me an instant message on teams the expectation is that you respond before the end of the day we don't gossip about people who aren't in the room like those are basic standards that you can set up front as well and then as you see problems arise just take those as, as a signal oh it looks like we don't have a standard here we, we haven't clarified our expectations yet so let me let's add that in let's have a conversation and say hey I saw you do this I heard you do this I believe that for us this is not helpful it's not serving our cause it's not creating a good environment on the team the expectation is that we all refrain from and then you can add that to the list of expectations you can clearly communicate that either with the group when appropriate or with that specific individual. That is setting the expectations, deliverables, and on the behaviors as well. Then step two is actually praising, recognizing people who are doing all the things that you like and the behaviors that you want to see more of. Our brain tends to naturally look for all the things that are not going well all the things we don't like. And there's good reasons for that. That's our survival mechanism. So you need to overrule that. That's why we call it supervise your own brain. And you have to consciously look for ways to praise, recognize, acknowledge people for their work and for the behaviors that you want to see more of. Now, sometimes people tell me, well, 
that's what they're paid for showing up on time and they're paid for doing this kind of work. I get the argument, but that's not how our human brains work. So recognition and praise is important. Now, you don't have to praise people for being on time and do so every day. Obviously, use common sense here. But when you're setting a new expectations and then you see someone doing it well, and they might not have done that in the past, praise, recognize, appreciate for the things that people do well, that's going to keep them way more motivated than a boss who's always nagging and always just picking up the things they're doing wrong, but never seeing the things that they're doing right. And if you missed out on praise and recognition along the way, that is a way that you co-created a negative situation and a performance issue. And then the third area to pay attention to is how much curiosity did you bring to the table? When you manage someone's performance and you give feedback and you look at a challenge that you might have and you wonder, is it me or is it them? Did you actually try to understand where the other person is coming from? Did you ask them question why something isn't working or why they're not able to do what you're asking them to do? Did you ask before you made any judgment? And then once you did ask, did you help them create solutions Did you have open, transparent feedback conversations? And did you help them and support them in making changes and figuring out solutions that then work for the team? If you didn't, that's also on you. Again, like I said in the beginning, this is not about making you feel guilty in any way. This is about you answering the question, is it me or is it them? When most cases, the answer is both. And we want to start with what's your part because that's the part that you can actually control and it's the things that you can learn and get better at. The other person, you cannot change. You can influence, but you cannot control their change. So make sure your expectations are super clear. Reiterate your expectations. Be transparent with them. Talk about them openly. Adapt them as you see need. Praise and recognize positive behavior. And then the third point was drop judgment early on. Start with curiosity. The vast majority of people don't get up in the morning wanting to be a pain in the butt for other people. They want to do well. So what is it that gets them off track them and then help them work on solutions? And once you covered those things and you can say, I did all these things really well, I'm getting better at all of them, then your feedback conversations and your curiosity will invite the other person, support the other person to do their part. And if they are not doing their part, then that's just a moment when you're going to have a, a different kind of conversation to figure out if this role is truly the right fit or if it makes better sense for them to transfer elsewhere or find a new employer overall. So I hope you find this helpful, especially if you have this question, is it me or is it them in your head more than you'd like to? Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week in another episode of the Manage Track podcast. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.